Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. Uh, if you're new to this show, this is a show that we usually do on Thursdays at noon, but we're bringing it to you this season on Sundays as well as a little bit of a analysis of the game that happened previously, because we got games to cover, guys. Uh, first games. off, I'm Keely Orr, joined alongside Shotgun Spratling and Ryan Abraham. We're going to have some fun for an hour with you guys. Uh, be sure to leave your comments on YouTube, Facebook, and on Periscope. We all are monitoring them, so we will answer your questions. Guys, game. First game of the season for USC. What, what did you guys think overall? Yeah, I think uh, USC got a win. That's all everyone <laughs> talks about. That's always what's important, especially in the Clay Hilton era. It's like, there's a win. Sometimes you don't feel great about the win. I know a lot of USC fans didn't feel great about this win. We just had a conference call. Part of the reason why we're doing this at 7 o'clock is that we had a conference call with Clay Helton at 6. He was a little less optimistic, I think, than he was post-game after the game. So after watching the film, a few things he'd like to clean up. I think there was a lot of positives, and he, he mentioned all those. There was some negatives, and he knows that you have to get those fixed and get them fixed fast because you got two really tough road games coming. He wasn't really talking about Texas, but he was talking about playing Stanford, who obviously they beat twice last year and played in the Pac-12 championship game last year. So... That's a big thing on Clay Helton's plate right now. It was a it was a kind of good way to come out, but there were some things you need to fix. Yeah, he basically said that he's like it was good to get a win. There's obviously some things we got to work on. Uh, I think that's how everyone. Well, that's, that's not true. That's how most people should feel. That's not how everyone felt. A lot of people, you know, thought that they had lost to someone because that's apparently all the comments I got. Yes. Whether, was all the negative stuff. There were no positives at all in that game. Uh, not that your quarterback as a freshman did pretty well. Right. Your freshman wide receiver was really good. Uh, you know, that your defense, you had some hit and miss stuff there. They rotated a bunch of guys. There were, there were some positives there. There's some things. I know there's, and Keely tweeted out yesterday that, you know, all the talking points from last year were They're talking kind of points same. again. However, some <laughs> of the, uh, I guess, secondary talking points were things that were corrected. You know, the, the, the substitutions and different things like that. Uh, the special teams, you know, there were some positives on special teams. There Still were. some negatives, but there were actually some positives. <laughs> you pointed out a new negative that I didn't even realize yet, so I'm all over that one. <laughs> <laughs> so they actually had punt return yardage and yes. good punt return yardage. Uh, Tyler Vaughn's. Tyler Vaughn's and Amon Ra both, you know, getting in there and, you know, having a little bit of room. I mean, even though Tyler Vaughn did catch one on the three-yard line, but he picked up the thing with 30 yards. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was something you, you kind of have. That's what happens in special teams sometimes. Yes. Like, you're like, no, don't do that. Don't. Okay, I guess that works. We'll, Stephen we'll Carr it. probably shouldn't have backed up and caught a ball that was going over his head, but he did, and it was a great punt, you know, great kickoff return. My favorite part of that is, like, Valus Jones comes up, and he's like, I, I, no, 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 I, okay, I'll go block somebody for you then. I'll take out two guys for yeah, you. The fact that he was supposed to catch it and then still went around. He's fast enough. He could run around him and yeah. block still. Like, this is great. mine. This is my No, okay, fine. I'll go yeah. hit somebody then. He's just mad enough that he didn't get to catch it. He's going to go hit somebody. <laughs> he takes out two guys in that play. Big play right there for USC. Kind of swing the momentum for him after, you know, giving up a score right before that. So, you know, there were some, some positives, some negatives. Kind of a first game. You know, it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible like some people want to think. Yeah. Um, but it was in between, which is you know, what you kind of expect in a first game. Especially when you're – if you're not opening with Alabama – Usually you figure oh, there's going to be some positives, right. some negatives. As long as we come out with a win, we're kind of satisfied with it. We don't have to be happy with it, but to be satisfied with it. Satisfied? Keely doesn't look satisfied. I don't know. We can get into this a little bit later. You well, guys, what do you think, Keely? What's the... To me, I feel like some of the unexpected – like there were expected things and unexpected things. The unexpected things, I think, are normal for – uh, your first game, Tyler Vaughns, who's norm normally the guy that will catch everything in his radius, is having an off day. That that will get fixed. Reed Butteridge is kind of off in his punting. I think that will get fixed. But having offensive drives get stalled. Yes, JT Daniels is a freshman, but still I think the offense needs to get better in that sense. Uh, the defense letting up some big plays. That was something that Clay Helton really wanted to fix over the offseason. We're seeing that now. He said uh, punt punting returning, got got to get better. So those things, I think kind of carry over offensive line, not being as dominant as they probably should have been against a UNLV team, things like that. But, I mean, again, it's the first game. Yeah. In the context of the season, we might look at this and be like, yeah, those were first game jitters, some kinks, and they got it worked out. Maybe not. Maybe this is just who this team is with their little issues. We don't know. At the risk know. of sounding very Western Michigan-y from last year, saying that was a team that came off a Cotton Bowl loss and they were actually going to be pretty good and they ended up being pretty crappy last year when USC didn't look very good. Told you they were going to be terrible. Were, yeah, UNLV, okay, I, 
I think they're going to be better. They've improved every year under Tony Sanchez. If you look at Bishop Gorman now, he's been gone for four years or whatever, and they're terrible now. So they didn't score terrible, against Terrible, but <laughs> for them, compared to what they were, yes. Well, they're losing games. Like they also yeah. don't have Tate Martell there anymore. So, okay, but, I mean, they were – so there's something to that, and I had Joe Arrigo, who covers them for 24-7 Sports, on our podcast. And if you listen to it, some people were like, what is UNLV Alabama? No, but he pointed out that – uh, you know, Rodgers is a really good quarterback who looks like a Cam Newton, Vince Young type that could run you over. He ran for over 100 yards. I mean, uh, Lexington Thomas, you know, he could be, you know, he had over 100 yards. I think the people he pointed out, um, there was some, you know, there was some legitimacy. It's, I think it's a legitimate team, and I think on defense, they were awful last year, but they changed defensive coordinators. I think that they were going to have a more aggressive style. It seemed to fit the kind of athletes that they have, and, and it worked pretty well. You know, they did some good things. So still gave up 43 points. They still, yeah, so it's like, I think UNLV will be better. They'll be a bowl team this year is my guess. But you don't want to say, like, they're Western Michigan. They were an 11-10 win team. They were like, no, they're not going to be that. But I think they're going to be a little bit better. So it's not, it was a nice test, and... You know, some things you got to work out. I think this is one of those games compared to the Western Michigan where it looks a lot worse at the end of the season. This one will look a lot better at the end of the season. I think this team, the UNLV team, can compete in the Mountain West for for that title. Kind of kind of open there. Yeah. I think Boise is dominant. San Diego State losing their top running back. I think that's a team to compete uh, with. Armani Rogers. He was. I was very impressed with his accuracy, which is something that was not expected because I saw him in high school. I, I think I said in leading up in the week that he's not any good throwing the ball. He's going to run. <laughs> he's not any good throwing the ball. However, he had some pinpoint passes. I mean, Biggie almost intercepts the ball. He's like right all, all over a guy, and he throws it perfectly to the outside shoulder away from, from where he was. It was a tackle. It was maybe a first down or nine-yard pickup or something, but it was just a pinpoint pass. And, and then, obviously, the touchdown pass where he threads it between, you know, uh, nice. Jenny Harris and, and Cam Smith. So, you know, I don't think this loss – I mean, the, the loss for them, I think, will uh, – will help them as the season goes along. And I think at the end of the year, you look back and you're like, oh, they beat UNLV. That's a, a quality team. Yeah. Not a great team or anything, but you know, a team that wins eight or nine games potentially. Uh, like I said, I definitely think they're a, a bowl team there. So I think with USC beating them, again, positives, negatives, I don't think it's, it's something to, to cry wolf about. Uh, the only thing I – the biggest concern I had was the, the offensive line after yeah. rewatching some of those things. Just some communication issues still. You know, there were times when they were running some stunts and, they, you know, someone would get by and, and different things like that that we still are having concerns about, you know, that it's not – and now part of it is a lot of mixing and matching. Yeah, that, is, that is true. They did that on the offensive line as well as everywhere else. There was even – so you, want, you guys wanted substitutions. So don't, don't complain when you have substitutions like and them. then you go 71 yards on a touchdown when it's two backup rush-ins. Now, both of those guys probably did their job, but you have backups kind of everywhere that are getting mixed in. Uh, the last touchdown drive, you don't complain when, they, when the score goes 43-14 to, to 14 rather than 43-21 to 21 because there were a lot of backups in there. Levi Jones and you know, Elijah Griffin was in there the entire drive. So don't start complaining about, well, they scored 21 points. Well, if you want those backups to play, that's when they're going to play, and you're going to potentially give up points to get them better for later in the season. That's how it works. You can't complain all the time about both things. Anger. It sounds like people were in your mentions over this past yeah. 24 hours, Sean. That was one of my and books. plus, I picked 42 to 12, 14 as my prediction, so uh, they wouldn't have given up that touchdown. Uh, yeah, they covered the spread, so I was right and you were wrong. So I also <laughs> said that USC, I think the, the over-under for USC was 45 points. I said it would be under. I was correct. There. All right, that's good. They wouldn't have given up the touchdown. I would have been right on both. But yeah. US, I mean, USC scored late. There was like, they almost... Yeah, it was 19 cover, points yeah. going yeah. into the fourth quarter, but you scored on the very first play of the fourth quarter. Nice deep ball to Amon Ra, his first of hopefully many connections between those two, uh, and obviously those two were great together. And then you, you get big plays of Trayvon Sidney, different things. Uh, so the offense started to come along, I, I think. You, you started to see them connect on some of the vertical passes. I mean, you look at it. There's at least two balls in the end zone that could have been catches. I'm not gonna call those drops. Someone on our board did, but you know, with, with Michael Pittman and Tyler Vaughn's, those were breakups. I would say more than drops. But those are two potential touchdowns that were field goals. Yeah. Uh, so instead of it being 19 to 14, it could have easily been you know 25 to 14 or whatever the, the additional points is 20 27 to 14. Sorry, bad yeah. math. Uh, but so there's things that obviously got to be worked on. Some players could play better. I think there are a lot of positives that you look at rather than the negatives in this game after you come away with a, what, 20, 22-point win? How much are you really going to complain about a 22-point win? 
There's plenty. There are lots of people complaining. I know. It seems like a loss. <laughs> and we'll get into that. Make sure you put your questions um, yes. either on Facebook, YouTube, or Periscope. We will be Don't, answering them. Not on Periscope because I'm not monitoring for oh, some reason. Oh, just kidding. I, I, boss I, I, think we're, I think we're flowing, but it didn't tweet out, so I can't get the thing. I'll try on my phone. Okay. That's what I'm looking we'll for. I apologize for well, it. We're monitoring everywhere else. Um, uh, I'll see if it's on Periscope. Chuck kind of alluded to this. I did ask you this on our podcast, Family Feud Podcast. You can check it out on our stream. A <laughs> uh, little plug right there. Is there this logical fallacy where people are like, Clancy Pendergast doesn't rotate, and then here he has all these guys coming in, these new guys don't have a lot of experience, some true freshmen, and thus the score looks a little more, uh, less good as people would like. Is is there a logical fallacy there with USC fans who want both rotation and a a score that looks like a beatdown? I think you have some people that are definitely doing that, but you have to look at the positive. That's one of the little bullet points for this thing is rotation, rotation, is that I think some of the same people that complain about, well, you never get these guys in the game. Why did Max Brown ever get to play behind Cody Kessler and blah, 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 blah. Or where's Levi Jones and where's all these guys? And then you're worried about, if you're worried about the spread at the end of the game, that's not something that USC coaches tend to worry about. And But they also really wouldn't rotate all that much. They, they rotated on the offensive line. They rotated on the defensive line. They rotated on, rotated on defense, the receivers through. Uh, all three run, running backs, there were orders, so, I mean, they all were going to play. I like it a lot. I think it's a, a positive thing. If you're worried about scoring, you know, four or five touchdowns, whatever, like, who cares? I think you getting those guys some real experience and having, like, a Clayton Bradley come in who didn't start the game, but then he comes in and he's playing significant minutes, all those guys... I think they're going to feel like they're part of it. Like, are you... Jay Tafelli wasn't listed as a starter, but he was in on the very first play, you know? Um, I think there was a lot of stuff like that that are, that are positive. So I'm a big fan of the rotation. We said, hey, you want to see these guys rotate more? So I'm not going to go out and start complaining that they're rotating more. And, you know, you, you lose a game or something, you know, whatever. But if you, those guys are good enough to play and they're part of the rotation, then they're part of the rotation. And obviously that's going to shrink a little bit. You know, it's obviously going to be a little bit more with the non-conference game. I think it shrinks a little bit for the Stanford. You might see it even bounce back up a little against Texas because those conference games matter that much more in the overall grand scheme of things. So I think you, you know, you don't see as many guys rotate. Or they, they might rotate Stanford, in. Right? Yeah, maybe they don't play as many against Stanford. They might play the same guys, but instead of, you know, your Russians, Kanai Munga, and Hunter Eccles, I haven't done the play chart yet. We'll get to that. Uh, but say they had 15 plays in that long. game. <laughs> got to wait. Keely's going to watch the games with me. Oh, uh, yeah. well, uh, So if they got 15 plays in that game, just a hypothetical number, maybe that's 8 or eight to 10 the next game. You know, so I think you shrink it a little bit. I think you know some guys were still in there a lot. Marvell Tell asked him about the rotation. He's like, I don't know. I didn't really rotate all at all. <laughs> so he didn't rotate. Like Cameron Smith really didn't rotate. Now, occasionally they did have – now, uh, Marvell Tell had some cramping. So at one point there was – it was – I think Talanoa Hufunga and C.J. Pollard in there at the same time. And that tells you how much they're using guys because the guy that, the, your two starters were both out at that time. So if you felt that uh, Isaiah Polamau was that much uh, farther ahead of those other two guys for him to earn the start, then he probably would have still been out there at the time. But I think you just saw, you saw a lot and a lot of guys out there. Jacob Lichtenstein got in there yeah. on several occasions. You know, a guy that we haven't talked much about. He's been, he's been banged up almost all camp, and he gets in there. So they not only did they rotate offense, defense, they even rotated on special teams because I was trying to track because it's one of the more difficult Uh-oh. things to do for the play chart. I was trying to, like, take, okay, this is who's on special teams. Also to note how many freshmen were on that, the original kickoff team. And so the second, the, you know, USC scores really quickly with the field goal. So the second time coming through, I'm starting to write down some more names because I got, like, seven the first time. And I'm like, wait a second, this is way more than 11. <laughs> so they rotated guys there. There was different guys covering punts and stuff. So, wow. you know, they, they just changed a bunch of bodies, gave guys opportunities, and maybe that's maybe that was kind of like, not to call it a scrimmage, but used in the same way that you would a scrimmage game to see how guys react in true game-like situations. And then when you go into Stanford, now you know, okay, well, we tried out, I don't know, 18 guys on kickoff. These were the 11 guys that really did their job correctly. You know, made tackles, didn't get out of their lanes, that type of thing. These are the guys we're using at Stanford. Maybe they used it that way, but you did see a lot of different guys in and out. Yeah. If you look at the tackle sheet, 26 guys, I believe it was, registered a tackle. And, like, a guy like Christian Rector didn't even, Rector didn't even get one. So, I mean, there's, there were a lot of dudes that were in on tackles. So, you got Jay Tefele getting the sack. Uh, Cameron Smith, he only had Two and a half sacks in his whole career. He had a sack in this really? game. So that, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So some of the interesting. some interesting stuff. Yeah, but a lot of defenders got in there, and it wasn't just like special teams and things like that. So yeah, Cam Smith seven tackles, 
Him and Sack, Isaiah led the team. Nearly had an interception. Uh, he had, a, I think, two or three pass deflections already. I mean, poor Gustin was a little bit limited. You know, they, they didn't have a strict play count. Yeah, how many snaps did he play? Do you know? I haven't got to it yet, but uh, <laughs> we'll have it tomorrow, hopefully. Um, but he told me after the game, he said he was, he was limited. There wasn't a strict count, but it was kind of on him at the same time. But he didn't play that much. But when he was in there, he made immediate impact, obviously, recovering the fumble. He gets a sack on the, you know, the second series. He ends up with a sack and a half in the game. I think he only had like two tackles, but you know, as your guy coming off the edge, if you can get a, a fumble and a, and a couple yeah. sacks every game, that's going to be okay. I mean, you recover a fumble on the very first play, like, yeah. hey, welcome back. He, you know, actually <laughs> practiced. Um, I put, so I tweeted out like a pitch count for him. Like, is he going to play more than 18 and a half? Snap. So he he got more way more than that probably right. Or is I that, would think at least twenty. Yeah. At least twenty. Okay. So I wasn't terribly off. Like Michael, our buddy Michael Steer said that you know, I was way off. They do all those over unders all the time. Because he didn't do that one for his show. I mean, it and could said, be way over, but it's at least twenty. Okay. It's definitely over. All right. Okay. Let's go to a question. Okay. Um, John Lopez says oh, he's his comments not showing up. It says he says, how do you think the run game did yesterday for USC? After rewatching the game, I wasn't the same watching on the field. I thought Cedric Ware was good. I thought Vi was good. And Stephen Carr, obviously, is your explosive guy with the long kickoff return and the big play to get him down in the red zone. After rewatching the thing, after rewatching the game, Cedric Ware was the man yesterday. He was breaking tackles left and right. He showed jump cuts that you hadn't seen in the past from him. He looked really good. Obviously, when your numbers are 10 yards a carry, that's good. Right. He only um, had 10 carries for 100 yards, but yeah. And he had a, a, um, a touchdown run, you know, diving for the pylon. You know, he looked really good there. He, even the, the pass he caught, I think he had one catch for like seven or eight yards. It was a third and two or third and three. He catches it behind the line of scrimmage. Right. There's basically two guys to beat, beats them both. And he looked like a different guy. I know we've seen it in uh, fall camp stuff. We said, that, hey, you picked him as your breakout player. He looked like a different I'm dude. Smart. A different dude yesterday <laughs> when I rewatched the game because there's a lot of, a lot of yards in, in that he was getting, you know, where he was getting contact. I, I'm going to actually, one of the things I'll be looking at when I rewatch and, you know, take notes on it is how many yards after contact did he get or when the PFF grades come out because yeah. I think a lot of his yards came there because he was getting touched, you know, two yards down the field or whatever and turning it into an eight or 10 yard game. Uh, he looked really good there. Now, the blocking up front still considered mixed. Yeah, there were some. Not so great runs, too. But uh, but you look at some of them, like some of the, if you look at the big runs, every time you look at a big run, rewind it and watch the blocking. You'll see there's going to be at least one really good block on it. Uh, I, just on uh, looking at my photos from yesterday, I didn't notice it at the time, but I was going through today. Vi's touchdown run to, to kind of cap the game. Elijah Vera Tucker pulls and just kicks a guy out almost to, to out of bounds. Uh, it was a really good block there. So there's some positives. They just got to get that unit together. That's one of the issues because it was, it was times when there were guys that were coming free when it was stunts and combos and different things or just free rushers at times where you know there was some, supposed to be somebody blocking and they didn't communicate correctly to do it. That's the biggest issue, still a concern. They have to get that cleaned up or Stanford might you know, eat them up. Yeah, and there, I mean, there just wasn't as many opportunities. Like your leading rusher had 10 carries. But we said, I think last year or the last couple seasons, when Akasajic Ware got double-digit carries, he went over 100 yards. It just didn't happen very often, right? And so he did in this game. When I put that out that I said he was going to be the breakout player, I got a lot of negative Nancys out there telling me, I'm the, well, to you, because that's what I saw. So here, he's going to be good. Now, Stephen Carr, that's very professional, I know. But there was a lot of them. It was like, really, like, people, there was hatred. Like, how would you say he's going to be, like, because I think he's going to be good. And I think he will. It's a long season. All these guys are going to get banged up at some point. Stephen Carr is extremely explosive. I think you're just going to see where, he can do it all. I mean, he can do it in the past game. You saw, like Shotgun said, he caught that ball behind the line of scrimmage. Could have, a lot of backs would have been tackled for a loss. He turns it into, like, an eight-yard gain. So I think they're all going to be used. Vi, I mean, Vi's a stud. Like, he's going to be really good. All those guys are going to be worked together. Someone's going to be hurt one day. So they're all going to play. But for the people, you know, Ware is, is a legit guy. He's out of the shadow of the Ronald Jones. He's a true senior. And I think he can be, uh, be a leader on this team. So you got to see a glimpse of that against UNLV. Let's see if he can do it against tougher competition, too. But I, I kind of feel he will. Yeah, I think the stat is every time he has 12 carries, he's at over 100 yards. Obviously, didn't get there okay. yesterday. But I think with 10 carries, he's like 5 of 6 now or okay. 4 or 5, something like that in his career. He hasn't had that many opportunities, yeah. obviously. When he gets that, that many carries, he's shown that he can be an explosive guy. Uh, let's go to another question, shall we? Um, 
that's not showing up, which is so annoying. Um, uh, Are you overclicking again? No, or? I'm not overclicking. It's this program. Darren <laughs> says, "What was with the Fink on, with Fink on the option?" Helton said that that's going to be a package, a wrinkle in the offense that they'll use from time to time. But I thought that was something we saw. We saw that with Sam Darnold and uh, Max Brown. I thought that was something that the coaches were going to leave in the 2016 season, but we saw it again. What do you Why it worked in the that? 2016 season. Well, because you had someone like Sam Darnold, but when you have someone like Matt Fink... Wait, what are you trying to say? He's not the same as Sam Darnold. Yeah. Uh, if you're gonna, sorry, if you're going to use him for a run play, why not use Jack Sears? Well, Jack Sears is the number three guy and Matt Fink's the number two guy, which is another question that we were... You know, we talked about this on the last show on Thursday with... You know, they said it's off the... It's not just the stuff we saw on the field. What we saw on the field was Jack, Jack Sears was better than Matt Fink. Clay Helton said there was going to be packages for him to come in there. you got a question. When you get into the red zone, is that something you really want to do if you trust your quarterback? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that feel like, yeah, you can do it. And you talk to some former quarterbacks, and they're like, they hate that more than anything. Um, if it worked, then people probably wouldn't complain as much. It was a three-yard loss, so then people are going to complain. I didn't, I mean, hindsight, whatever. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was the right thing to do at the time, but whatever. That's my, you know, that's my deal. But that's, that's something they're going to probably keep doing. Uh, at least from from time to time. So what, with Sam Donald, though, they would bring him in for like a series or something. Obviously, for Fink, it was just a play. They brought him in in the red zone as well. No, they early, did, yeah. Early, early in the season. But I think it for was a couple a, plays, it wasn't just like, here's one play, right? Uh, if I remember, I thought it was there was a couple times where it was just one look, shot yeah. in the 2016 season. Those first two games, like Stanford, I believe, he just got thrown in in one red zone opportunity. It was like a three-yard run and pop your out or whatever it was okay. going to be. But I don't know. I'm not a big fan of it either. Um, unless you got, I mean, if you got Khalil Tate as your backup quarterback, then maybe um, because Khalil Tate can break tackles. Like neither one, neither Matt Fink or Jack Sears is known for their ability to break tackles. Both of them are quick. Both of them can get to the edge. However, Khalil Tate's kind of a different beast in that regard. So uh, I would think. Well, not anymore. <laughs> not he yesterday. <laughs> yesterday wasn't good. Yeah, well, he started six for six, and then he was awful after yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, but this is like, the USC. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. This yeah. is in the Pac-12 podcast. I got to do that afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're the Pac-12 podcast tonight. Yeah. We didn't really talk about this. So we're going to do these shows. We, I mentioned it before. We're doing these shows on Thursdays at noon. We're going to keep doing that, but we decided Sunday at 7. So probably a little bit different audience, like some different people. Um, I know there's an actual, a col- usually it's going to be like NFL sort of halftime. There's an actual good college game today, so maybe this wasn't the best Good. It was good until half. It was, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like two supposed great to be teams. Good. Yeah, kind of uh, like the was, Sunday night football games. They're supposed to be good, right? But yeah, by halftime, you usually don't want to watch that game anymore. So that's kind of what we decided to do. So thanks for for joining us. If you're watching the replay, thanks for that too. But we're gonna. This is. We thought Sunday would be a great day to kind of give a recap, especially after the Clay Helton conference call. If there's any sort of news, um, so he he was asked about Bubba Bolden and Kelly Ross. We are getting a lot of questions about Bubba Bolden. Oh, do you want to put one of those up? or? Uh, no, because it's not working. But it's we're getting a lot of questions about Bubba What did you Bubba break Bolden. over there? Kayla? I did not working? break anything. But they're asking, uh, <laughs> was there any uh, loss in leadership or play without having Bubba Bolden on the field on Saturday? I mean, he wasn't like he was a leader anyway. So, I mean, yeah. it's hard to say loss of play. His replacement, who, you know, was battling for the job, was pretty close to it, forces a fumble on his very first play, led the team in tackles. So I don't think there was a huge drop-off there. He was going to be... I mean, you know, I mean, we have no idea if Bubba Bolden would have come in and played better than Isaiah Polamau. But, I mean, I think Isaiah Polamau came in and did, you know, he played really well. Um, I'm not sure at this point what's going to happen with Bubba Bolden. There was no status update, no date for his return. There was obviously some rumors about, you know, with him being gone, Achille Ross maybe coming back. We reported some stuff in the war room. Uh, but Clay Hilton said no update on that either. So we're, He said no status change. Yeah. So basically, if something like that happens, he doesn't talk about it, and he's going to continue to not talk about it. So we'll That's see. That's pretty yeah. much it for those two. I mean, would either one of those guys have made a similar play as Isaiah Polmau? Maybe they would have. Maybe sure. they would have knocked a fumble too. Would they have also been on the reverse? Maybe they would have done that too. So, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, the people. thing is, like, all three of those guys, Isaiah, uh, Bubba, Yakili, none of them have played much. I mean, Yakili's played a little bit more than the other two. Even C.J. Pollard. C.J. Pollard had a very nice play, you know, breaking up a pass in the end zone. It kind of changed the momentum of the game, I think, because, you know, UNLV misses the field goal, and then you go down and score right after that. So went from potentially being 21 to 12, I think, uh, and instead, you know, he knocks the pass away. USC scores immediately to take a lead. Uh, so I, I think that all three of those uh, three guys that did play, played fine. Yeah. I think they played great. 
but they played fine. And, uh, you know, I think that if you would have had either the two other guys, it would have been similar. I think there would have been some positives and negatives because it's the first game, their first time getting some actual real action. Yeah, I think Achilles Ross, there's a chance that he comes back. We'll see if he comes back to practice because there was no – the only reason he wasn't there was because of, you know, By decisions. Yeah, yeah, there was decisions that were made. There were choices that were made. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of choices – at least right now, for the Bowl situation, so we'll see. I mean, that something's going to have to change. Usually you don't see a guy just gone, no comment, uh, and he's back right away. So usually when that happens, we don't see them again. Like, I don't – is there a time when we were getting that kind of status, you know, no update? Like a Chenu and Wusu maybe, like when he was gone for the spring? Josh I don't remember. Shaw? Josh Shaw. Well, they yeah. were talking about that a he lot, came, though. That came, was like Sark stuff, right? Like that yeah, was, he came back, though. No, he came back, sure. but there wasn't like – under the Clay Helton thing, if it if it ever becomes a university matter, he's like, doop, doop, and uh, he's not going to comment on it. So usually when that happens, we don't see it again. Uh, we have a question from Justin. Hi, Justin. That showed up, so I don't know what I fixed, but I so fixed you, it. <laughs> I don't think you Give broke it. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Justin <laughs> says, will the offense, offensive play calling get better? Man, has there been a lot of, like, hatred for T. Martin and the play calling and stuff. It's like all these people are experts on the play calling. I mean, to me, I don't know if you agree, it looks like it's the same as last year. It doesn't look too some different. different things. There's some, some different, different wrinkles. wrinkles. I mean, also, not using the tight end, the red zone, we saw that struggle We only against. had two tight ends, Yeah. so that might have been part of it. Uh, you don't have Josh Fowler, who's the guy you want to throw to. Yeah. You know, if you mark him but as Tyler a, if senior. you mark him as an F spot tight end, though, yeah. you want to flex out that type of thing. So he was on the that might have a little bit to do with it. Uh, and also, not necessarily that the tight ends were open or were they not. I don't necessarily know until I watch the tape a little bit closer. I mean, the one time they did throw the tight end, Eric Romahook on the play action rollout shouldn't have thrown to him. No. Michael Pittman was wide open on the backside. And, and that's something you'll see in the future because that's a play that they have run before. You'll see it. You know, he'll take a peek at that backside safety to see, uh, you know, where the post is, uh, if he can go there. Uh, but so I, I thought there was some different wrinkles, but I think also it's the first game of the season, yeah. not a non-conference game. you got a conference game next week against a big opponent. You don't show everything you have. Sure. Yeah. Um, the things that were different, you know, Last year, USC didn't look that good against Western Michigan. Probably played their best game against Stanford. So six hundred yards up on against. Yeah, Stanford. so I mean, we'll see. But man, there is a lot of Twitter hatred. Like I tweet out stuff. People asking if he's going to be fired. Of Neil Callaway's like someone tweeted like after the conference today. Hey, what's Neil Callaway's status? Like, like he was going to be fired after the first game or something. For you know, it's like what you know. So uh, they scored forty three points. <laughs> if they catch a couple more passes that are in the end zone. They're up above 50. Like, yeah. Dude, are you, what are you, what, what's, a freshman quarterback, his first start. What is okay? I mean, do you have to score 80 points a game and or otherwise the offense coordinator needs to be fired? Yes. That's basically I mean, what it is. If they okay. scored 14 points and won 14 to 7, or, you know, if you lose to Washington State in the Coliseum, 14 to 9, or whatever that score was, like, that's then, yeah, don't throw bubble screens every <laughs> single play. Yeah, I understand complaining about the offense coordinator, but. Pick and, pick and choose your spots, I guess. Yeah. Um, I want to type in a question, though, Keely, so you can read real quick. But you two were on the field. Just yes, real quick. Yes, we were. I mean, maybe it won't be real quick, but um, whatever. It's, it's our <laughs> show, so I'll do what I want. Um, <laughs> so you guys were on the field. In the press box, there was a lot, of, to me, there was a lot of attempts to go to Tyler Vaughn's and a lot of attempts later on, at least, to go to Michael Pittman. And some people, it felt like maybe we're being JT apologists, like they're dropping all these balls. Maybe I'm being more of a Tyler Vaughn's apologist going like every ball it seems like he's reaching back behind him to catch. I think there was a combination of some drops and some balls that really were nowhere near like the normal catch zone. Uh, but to me, it just seemed like they were both not on the same page. And I didn't see that in practice, but it seemed like in the game, him and even Pittman, they had, Pittman had that one catch for 36 yards, like a diving catch. But it just didn't seem like they were on the same page where, obviously, him and St. Brown were. And, and even Trayvon Sidney, to some extent. I think part of it is, look at the field. When he was throwing between the numbers or between the hashes, he was much more accurate. Obviously, that's more of a straight-line throw. I think the first game jitters and stuff, that gets you, can be, make you a little bit more off on outside the number of throws. You know, there's a little bit longer throws a lot of times. Uh, and like I said, the timing was a little bit off. The, the throws behind on like the slant routes to Tyler Vaughn's and stuff. Some of those are choice routes sometimes, so that can be, you know, thing. I, I know 
if you talk to JT or I'm on, ask about choice routes, I'm like, yeah, I know which way he's going like 95% of the time. Right. Uh, so it seemed like it was 95% of the game. And like Michael Pittman, the catch he made, he was by the guy. Yeah. And I think I think JT got hit on the play. He got knocked down uh, on the play. If he's cleaning the pocket, I think it's a touchdown because he was by the guy. The like a couple plays later, they try to throw on third down. They try to throw to Michael Pittman, uh, a fade in the end zone. And the defense did a really good job. They basically pushed him out of the way. The throw was already off. He couldn't get back to it. I mean, it went basically through his uh, right, right by his fingertips. Yeah. And it was gone. So another play that could have been. And there's just a lot of things that are just a little bit off. And, you know, I will chalk that up more to first game, first-time quarterback, 18-year-old pitch, playing pitch and catch more than, you know, UNLV did a great job. Or UNS, USC's offense is terrible. Yeah, I, I think it was a, a rare off day for Tyler Vaughn's, but also just... I don't even think he was... He There were some... When I went through the footage, it like he closed his hands too soon before the ball came into his hands. Like It was just things where he was a little off. But then also Bite JT... Your tongue. <laughs> JT was off sometimes. Like The ball yeah. came out of his hands weird sometimes. But my question is, how much of this is a product of, if you have a three-quarterback rotation, how much time does JT have to build up chemistry with guys oh. besides Amon Ross St. Brown? You're you know? reading the message boards, Keely. Come I on. I know, but this is something I asked Clay <laughs> Hilton in during the quarterback race. Yeah. Like if you're if you're how much when do you hurt your starter, no matter who it is, if you don't have them build up chemistry with wide receivers? And maybe that was a product of, of what we saw on Saturday. But I mean, I don't think USC has always had great wide receivers. I'm not concerned about JT Daniels. I think this is something that gets figured out eventually. Yeah. I think this is just a first game thing. I think there's a lot of people that were like Bag like Pittman's playing terrible or Vaughn's is playing terrible. It's like they're not that good. St. Brown's is bad. It's like okay, St. Brown was great, but those guys are, didn't get worse overnight, and they have a really good quarterback throwing to them. It will like I believe what you know what Keely said. It will work. I'm not saying that if they named him a week earlier, they'd have a lot better chemistry. It seemed like the chemistry was pretty good between those guys when I'd watch them practice. That's why just the yeah. game looked a lot different to me. So we'll see. I mean, you should learn a lot. I think they'll both learn a lot. JT seems like a guy who. Doesn't make a lot of the same mistakes twice, so I think anything that was off, any throw that was a little off, anything that wasn't quite right is something that he's probably already worked on. So uh, we'll see how they hook up against Stanford. Uh, we have another question in the same vein. Eddie says, I didn't see much wide receiver separation other than Amon Ross St. Brown. Thoughts? That was something that Dan Weber was harping about after the game. Well, look, go back looking at that catch that Michael Pittman made. He got by him. He's, he's running downfield. This is Ryan. And Ryan, <laughs> there's a gap there, and he has to stop, come back underneath. He did a good job of, of adjusting to that one just to make that catch. But, again, that's on the offensive line for not keeping JT clean or else that ball's there. You run away with a touchdown. Um, so we, we, we talked about who was going to score the first touchdown, and, remember, and we were all right. It was Vi, right? So Vi <laughs> got the first. And it took a while. They kicked five field goals, so they weren't really scoring any touchdowns for a while. But one of the things that I said was you might see an Amon Ross St. Brown because he could have a huge game if they're they're blanketing the other two guys outside. And I, I wasn't I got to go back and watch and see, but it seemed like they had pretty decent coverage there. That a lot of times they were contested balls when you would throw to them. But in the slot where you know I think St. Brown actually started in the slot and he moved outside, but he moved around a little bit. It seemed to be that there was just more space where he was working for. You said between the numbers, it seemed to be more open, and that's where he was working uh, a lot more. So. We'll, we'll see kind of what happens there. But I, I think, you know, you know, they did a pretty good job, you know, covering those guys, making you make a good connection. And for whatever reason, there was a lot of those throws, even with pretty good coverage, they could have made and, and completed the pass. And they just didn't really do that yesterday. Didn't come down with some balls that they usually do. Yeah. There was definitely some opportunities to catch some balls. And... Um, we have an interesting question from Josh who says, can you speculate whether T is calling the plays independently or do multiple coaches have their hand in this leading to dis dis disjointed play calling? Okay, so Brian Ellis. So it used to be people talk about um, T. Martin and Tyson Helton. Tyson Helton was in the booth next to T. Martin. Uh, we're in the booth or whatever. It's like this box car that we're up on. And, we're sitting, and the coaches are up there too, like at a different level. But... Um, Brian Ellis is on the field now, so he's actually on the field. Uh, it would be very hard for him to be involved in the play calling uh, because he's not on the field. Now, the calls still have to go from T. Martin down through Clay Hilton. You know, Clay Hilton can still get involved in them. You know, I guess potentially Brian Ellis could intercept and do something there too. I, I, I didn't see any evidence. It's really hard to tell something like that, but if they're both sitting in the booth, I think that's something that'd be a lot easier to do. It doesn't seem that way now. I think still Clay Hilton is going to have a, a trump card, a veto card, if he wants to change something when he gets down there, but 
Um, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't just be. And we asked Clay Hilton about that before, and he said T. Martin's going to be calling the play. So. So who was in the box? You had T. Martin, you had Tim Drevno sitting beside him, and Nathan Smith, the former offensive lineman who medically retired. Those are the three offensive guys who were sitting in the box. So a little bit different. Uh, Ronnie Bradford was also in the box this year rather than on the field. What about Kenichi? Was he? I believe he was up. In, he was in the box. I didn't see him on the okay. sideline, so I assume he was up there. I didn't see him in particular. I did look up there to through my lens on the camera They're to see above the offensive us, right? guys. Yeah. So, so we're, yeah. So we're like row forty-five ish. So right in front of where the tower uh, is being constructed, and it's like uh, kind of like shipping containers that that we're in. You guys were on the 45. I think they were on the 50. I think they were, they they're were in the very over. middle, okay. uh, obviously, so they can see the most. Nice. Brandon wants to know, what do you think USC's game plan should be against Stanford, both offensively and defensively? I mean, what they did last year worked pretty well. <laughs> they beat them twice. So Stop <laughs> Bryce Love. Yeah, he got stopped at San Diego State. I would actually put Iman Marshall on Arcega Whiteside the entire time, just shadow him. Big. He only had three touchdowns in the first game. so Yeah, only. yeah. <laughs> big on big. Obviously, they're going to throw the big fades and stuff. So your, your three keys for the Stanford offense is get to K.J. Costello uh, and try to stop the big targets, which would be the tight ends and Arcega Whiteside, and then Bryce Love. And the first one is Bryce Love and Bryce yeah. Love and Bryce Love because you have a Heisman candidate on there who's got what, what was, what's the stat? He had a run of 30 yards every game last year, I think it was. That, yeah, I mean, so you have to stay in your lanes. You can't have you, – you have anything like the, the fake reverse, he's gone. You're yeah. not catching him. <laughs> you know, you give him a little bit of space, he's gone. You're not catching him, that type of thing. So you got to stop him first. And then on offense, do whatever he did last year to put up 1,100 yards. <laughs> Someone on the board said that – they got to change everything on the offense. They got to look at what TCU did against Stanford last year in the bowl game. No, look at what USC did against Stanford last year because they just demolished them right. on offense. So uh, now, obviously, it's a little different teams and stuff because yeah. you got different players. But you know, similar to what they did last year, you know, you got to be physical at the point of attack. And you know, I talked to a couple of the defense tackles, Jay Tufele, Brendan Peely. They're excited about this game. Yeah, they love you know those defense tackles love playing those power run teams because it's then it's man on man type thing. You don't have to worry about that quarterback taking it out on that you know read option right. thing and chasing after him. Defense tackles know they're going straight ahead. Yeah, Clay Elton talked about that today. Where that so USC led the nation in sacks last year. They got five sacks in the game against uh, UNLV, but they didn't always keep the gap integrity going in, and they would let you know they would let Rogers run you know break off some pretty big runs. So. You don't have to worry about that as much with a KJ Costello, who's not going to bowl you over like you, like Rogers was a big dude, kind of running through there. So I think it'll change things a lot. But you obviously have to contain uh, Bryce Love. San Diego State did a really good job of that, but they gave up a crap load of you know big plays in the in the passing game. What Whiteside, our second Whiteside had like 240 yards and three touchdowns. So if you would like if you like the tight end game and you like big like this is you're going to watch and watch the Stanford game because they're going to definitely have some success will the usc secondary not have any kind of big penalties we didn't really see that uh wasn't like pass interference or big holdings or anything like that so that was pretty good i thought they you know they batted some balls down uh cj pollard you know took a touchdown away in the end zone so they've made some pretty good plays now there's going to be a much better receiver set against stanford i think you got to do that but i agree with shotgun 100 their offense worked against stanford uh last year it's not a it's not a deep group. They don't have uh, uh, Phillips anymore. Was it uh, Harrison Phillips anymore? Uh, but I think the defense is going to be pretty good for Stanford this year. They got a you know good secondary, I think, still. But USC had a lot of success. I think David Shaw can get kind of stubborn in what he does a lot of times. Don't change what you don't need to change. I think the offense worked. They, the, the defense should play even a little bit better, I think, against Stanford. We'll see. If you give up one big run for Bryce Love, that's fine. But you can't give up like two or three, and then you're going to be in trouble. Jacob Bailey actually asked an interesting question based partly on Stanford. And you talked about Stanford was down, what, 10 nothing, I think, to San Diego State? Yeah, they were in not looking good. A lot of the Pac-12 teams did not look good early, yeah. including USC. And then Arizona didn't look good the whole game. They looked poo the whole game. Uh, so Jacob <laughs> asked, terrible. Jacob asked, coming out of September unscathed doesn't sound too far-fetched now, does it? Because uh, you, you look at also Texas losing on, uh, to Maryland, uh, Arizona looking like crap. Uh, so the thing is, though, is that USC always encounters the big brother problem, mm -hmm. where once USC shows up, a team gears up like this is yeah. USC. We got to bring our best, and USC always usually gets 
the best against uh, the teams play their yeah. best against USC just because it's a big little brother big brother situation. And as we saw yesterday or last year with Texas, they circled that on their calendar. That was Tom Herman's game. So I don't know. I still think it, it could be a little dicey going forward in September. Well, Keely, Texas just lost to Maryland, so now oh they wait, lost, they did that last yeah. year too. Yes, yeah, so. Um, and we're leading USC with, what, 20 seconds to go? Whatever. <laughs> right. They took overtime and all that kind of stuff. And Sam Darnold, heroics, and jump pass, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it – but honestly, though, it does seem more reasonable. I was higher on Arizona than I probably should have been. But, you know, we'll see. Arizona could bounce back. The, uh, the old saying goes about, uh, you know, the only person that could keep Michael Jordan under 25 points in college was Dean Smith, his coach. And they got Noel Mazzoni there now. At Arizona, and he did not look like Khalil Tate from last year that could just run with reckless abandon and throw for five touchdowns in one game and run for five in the next. It was like they tried to make him a pocket passer. Man, that Twitter was killing him. Um, <laughs> we'll see. They, by the time USC plays him, maybe you see the, the Khalil Tate that everyone wants to see again because it didn't really go over all that well there. But I think, you know, obviously Texas is more beatable. Stanford, though, if you look at everyone's performance, they might have had the best performance in the Pac-12. So even though they were down 10-0 early, that was a team that beat them last year. They bounced back and, uh, and scored a bunch of points there. Passing game, when your best player was out and they found a way to, to do it other ways, uh, I think that's pretty good. So Stanford's still going to be tough. But you talk about 2-0 after next week, yeah, I think sweeping September is a lot more feasible at that point. Um, we have a question that kind of goes into a broader theme from Pets Llamas. I think Peps Llamas. I don't know. Hey, Peps Llamas. Uh, Llamas. He says, Llamas. it seemed like JT Daniels was only looking at one receiver. And he says, will that hurt him when we when USC plays better teams? And I think that's for people who are pessimistic about Saturday's game. I think the the overall comment is, yeah, this worked against UNLV, but if, they, if USC keeps this play up for better teams, Will that slide? Will slow start slide? I kind of, I, I didn't get to check a lot of that. I, I saw that happen for sure sometimes. I don't know, when you got to watch a replay, were you seeing him so, scan I mean, much? Clay said today he forced one pass. That was the one where he, yeah. he locked on to Amon Ra. He thought he had him for a first down. He didn't see that there was a linebacker coming. Should have intercepted the ball. Yeah. yeah. So he should have an interception on the book. Besides that, there was maybe one other time where it felt like he was kind of, you know, there was a first down that Amon Ra picked up. It was a, a short route. They needed like three yards. He pretty much knew he was going to Amon Ra, but he also had man-to-man coverage. So that's a little bit different going to the outside. You can do that. I thought he did pretty well as, as far as using his eyes at different times and, and going across and, you know, using the different reads. Obviously, he'll have to do better than what he did this game because it's UNLV versus, you know, Stanford. And Stanford will try to do some things in particular – to make him think he had something and then he'd not allow that to be. Similar to when he threw the back-to-back or uh, two interceptions in three plays in the practice last week, it was bait, he was baited into it by cornerbacks. That's what Stanford's going to try to do. They're going to try to do that with any young quarterback, obviously. I think he will be fine with that. Is it a concern? Not that much. It, did it happen? Just a little bit. Yeah, there was some of that. And I think first, some of that, too, is first game. As you're, yeah, you're an 18-year-old kid. Does your coach want you to come in there? Okay. Make sure you check out that fourth read and see, you know, I think it's more of like, here's the play, go run it. You know, this is what we probably want you to throw to Vons on this play. We probably, you know, I think there's probably some of that going on too. Uh, Linda says, do you still think USC is the favorite to win, win or clinch the Pac-12 South and win the Pac-12 in general? Hey, Linda, yeah, so for, uh, they weren't favored to win the Pac-12 in general, but they were the favorites in the South. I don't see anything to change that. Uh, I think Utah still like it'll probably be between Utah and and USC. Arizona did look like poo, like what I about said. ASU. Okay, hold, yeah, <laughs> we're going to get to that in a second. Hold on, and uh, you know, so Arizona, yuck. Uh, UCLA, yuck. Colorado played a lot better against Colorado State. Um, Colorado State lost the weekend before to Hawaii, but I mean, Colorado, we'll see. Colorado's only finished under Mike McIntyre first, which they did once two years ago, or sixth in the in the division. So their feast or famine, but. ASU looks for real. They have a real offense. Nikhil Harry is a real receiver. USC played one of their better games or best games against Arizona State on the road last year. Uh, I am not a her. I mean, you have to be a fan of Herm Edwards, the person. I don't think I'm not a fan of the hire. I think it's going to be a disaster. But this year, this is a pretty talented team. They got a lot of guys coming back. I think they can be pretty good. So I picked them to finish last, and I kind of changed that before after you know I kind of seen what they were bringing back. But uh, ASU could give them a run, but I think it'll come down probably between USC and Utah. But, man, if ASU makes a run, that would be like a huge story in college football. 
And they look good It'll yesterday. Be fine. Yeah. We have about 15 minutes left, so be sure if you want some rapid-fire questions, get Ooh, your questions in, and we'll answer them rapid-fire. Uh, we have a question from Gary who says, will Tolobindon play against Stanford? Ooh, that's a good question. What do you think? I mean, it's hard to know with injuries, but yeah. Yeah. the fact that he wasn't able to practice at the end of last week and he wasn't able to go in the game, so how do you have any more confidence going forward with a pectoral? You don't know until we see him practice. Yeah, so that's something probably, Brett Nealon kind of knew he was going to play. So it was Brett like, Nealon knew on Tuesday. Yeah. Like, and Clay Helton told us on Thursday, uh, we'll see, it's questionable. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think it's a little more settled than I, that. I think, I think that, that makes was, it less likely he plays against Stanford. And, and Brett Nealon played played well like there wasn't any like you did you look for were there balls that he was trying to grab all over but it seemed like it was pretty good, good. Point. i didn't even think yeah. about that but i yeah. think i saw one but across the board no i mean he there, did there, well. there, you didn't think start. about it yeah then it's like okay that he did pretty well yeah I, you, there was never a time where jt daniels was like and we saw that with sam darrell all the time where it was like to get the play going he had to grab it from here or here or here he's like doing something athletic before he can just start the play and it didn't seem like jt needed to do that no um, I would just like to say that I suck at speaking Spanish. Llamas, llamas. It's it's oh, double llamas. L, so it's a Y. I'm sorry, Peps. I'm sorry about that. Um, Chuck, do we have any YouTube questions that you'd like to answer? I've been asking some of them. Mastermind wants to know, which Mastermind is very negative. He wants everyone fired pretty <laughs> Mastermind, much. Mastermind, it's okay. Why it's okay. is why <laughs> is Tim Drevno watching Neil Calloway coach the OL? Yeah, we get that a lot. Um, because his job is the running back coach. Yeah. So until his job title changes, that's what's going to happen. I think he's involved in the game planning stuff. I think, you know, but you're not seeing him, like, running offensive line drills at practice or anything. The running backs ran for 242 yards yesterday. Yeah, I thought they did pretty well. So good job for Tim Drew. And speaking of running backs, I wanted to just mention this real quick. You have to go see the Dylan McCullough E60. Uh, we've had him, well, not in this studio, but I've had him in our other studio in the same building. Uh, he was USC's running backs coach last year. They brought him from Indiana. This is the most debating story. I want to tell you the story because you have to read it or watch it. And it's like, it's like, you know, this should be a movie. It's like unbelievable. Dylan yeah. McCullough was adopted. He finds out about his biological parents after some searching, which a lot of USC, or not a lot of USC, but some USC in there as well because he was doing this all while he was at USC. Yeah. That yeah. was the thing that, that blew me away is like for all the comments that people get angry about, these are coaches, but they're still humans. You know, yes. Dylan was searching for his biological parents during prepping for the UCLA yeah. game last year. You know, that's, it's pretty crazy. Well, he had that, that football like, with water in it and stuff. He was, like, calling up trying to find <laughs> his mom and dad. But, know? like, these are still people, like, you know, at the end of the day. So it's a good story, though. I I haven't seen the E60, but I, I read either. the story. No, the story yeah. Was great. They, yeah, yeah, Sarah I, Spain did a really good job on the story as yeah. well. Yeah, the story was pretty amazing. So go, it, it's definitely worth your time. Go check it out. Um, Speaking of running backs, coaches. Yes. Uh, Tarek says, any thoughts on Elijah Griffin's performance? True freshman. He had a near pick, right? Like dropped. Well, the thing was, the thing got on him too quick. Like, he would turn, and he was looking to to make a play, and all of a sudden, it was hitting him in the shoulder. So. Yeah, we saw that in almost every scrimmage. That play where he has a ball hit him right in the hands, and it just drops. Well, I don't, I don't mind if he didn't make it to his hands. It hit him in the shoulder. Oh, yeah, but you can still say that's why he's playing DB instead of receiver. That's my <laughs> favorite comment always. But if you're a DB and the ball hits you, that's cool. You're somewhere in the right spot, right? Like, I mean, you're doing something, right? It's not like everything's yeah, he, wrong. He didn't play much on, uh, at defensive back, but, you know, he had a tackle on one play. He had the pass breakup there. He had another tackle right before the pass breakup um, where they got caught the ball in front of him. So he's, he's fine. Yeah, true he freshman playing the first game, gets some stuff. That's great. He was on special teams. He was actually in the rotation to an extent – uh, where Isaac Taylor Stewart was just came in in garbage time, as far as I saw. Okay. Um, Isaac Taylor Stewart was also on special teams. Isaac Taylor Stewart had to wear number eighty because yes. he was on the punt block and he nearly got that first one because uh, he was beside Michael Pittman, who also wears number six. Mm -hmm. But he nearly got it. Uh, they almost got a punt later in the game too. The one that Tyler Vaughns took the, up the middle rather than the one on the edge. Uh, but they came pretty close to blocking that one too. But that's also uh, I was listening to Coach Sanchez's uh, press conference. That's why the fake punt happened, too. He said, if we see this certain look, which they saw in the first one where they nearly blocked it, then we're going to run it again. Now, why USC was in the same look, which was more of a punt block <laughs> look on fourth and one, even though it is, I mean, it was on their, like, 35-yard line. So that's a risky play. If USC stops that, then you're basically giving a point. you got to take risk when you're the underdog, though. Yeah. That was good. So that, I mean, that's, that's coaching. Like, you see they're trying to block a punt. We can maybe sneak one by you. Crazy. Um, I'm going <laughs> to switch it up a little bit because based on the questions we've gotten, because uh, we've got multiple multiple for positions, so we'll just go p position by position. Okay. Group rating, A through F, like it's school. Oh, oh. this is going to be difficult. <laughs> Let's start with quarterback. Quarterback play, how would you rate that? Mm -hmm. B. 
Yeah, plus. go B plus. Yeah, plus. I think B plus is B, pretty good. I think B is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I think B plus for a true freshman first start in the yeah, Coliseum. Yeah, he's fine. Like, good. I mean, positive. Yeah. Running backs. A plus. Wow, I go A or I go yeah. A. I what did they do bad? Pass blocking was a little, a little suspect. Uh, at times. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I'd have to. I got to watch that for sure. But I'd, I'd give him an A. Yeah. Um, O line. Uh. B minus. Yeah, I think C plus to B minus. They still did run for. They ran the, the ball. I'll go B minus. Yeah, I think B minus is there. I was talking to Chris Trevino after the game. He was thinking in the D range. So. Really? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, we weren't too high on the O line last night. Uh, wide receivers. Yeah, that's. I think that's a C. C minus, I think. C yeah. minus. You still had Amon Ra. And yeah. Trevon Sydney playing really well. Yeah, I mean Sydney played well, but like your two top guys, like. But they didn't have drops. They just had catchable balls that they didn't were, make there plays. There were some on. drops. I know, but just there weren't drops. It was not like they hit him in the hands and they just dropped it. Yes, it was yes, guys pulling happened. their arms down. What? What? The one behind Tyler Vaughn's? Which no. one are we talking about here? I can't think of it. Exactly. No. Okay, I can see it because I did highlights before coming here, but I, I, I know it. All right, I'm gonna go with the B minus. Tied ends. Okay. Oh, did you say your oh, your no, tight end? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I was uh, oh. C plus B minus. Um. Tight ends, I mean, they weren't really there. So. C plus. No, yeah. I'm not going in A on this. Not, yeah. not applicable, but I think like C plus because there was some blocking that they didn't do too. Uh, switching over to the other side, uh, D line. B plus, I would go. B, B plus, that sounds good. Yeah, you know, maybe B because they did give up 300 yards rushing. So, But it's not all. It starts, it's not there. all but starts there. Yeah. It starts with the defensive line. Yeah. Um, let's see. Linebackers. Outside, yeah, linebackers. Probably outside, B outside. also. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. I, I thought Cam Smith be. was really good. Um, Levi Jones was part of the reason for that fake reverse, too. He bit on it. Um, Isaiah oh, no, 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 I take it back. I take it back. Well, Isaiah, Isaiah Paul Mouse said that he heard someone yell, reverse, reverse, and he just by. So I don't know if, if that's the case. If you have a, someone yelling that at you, do you just listen or do you, like, not? you just stay home? Or is it yeah, the person tough. who's yelling? So the thing is, you have an assignment, and if you're the guy that's on the edge, you just have to assume that the, you're never getting to the reverse all the way on the so other side. Stay in the so edge. just make sure you stay. Make sure that you see it for sure, and then try to take off the cut back. Yeah. I take it back against Levi Jones. He actually ran into Isaiah Polamau. That's a, I remembered him for something. Oh. Because Isaiah Polamau was going the wrong way, and uh, Levi Jones actually saw it, and he's like, oh, crap, he's running, and he ran into him. Okay. And Levi Jones was like the last guy trying to get to, to them. So sorry, Levi. Okay. I'd say probably B for the linebacker. I mean, Kim Smith bit on it, too. Yeah. What would you say, Keely? For linebackers? Yeah. B. I think so. I mean, when you have guys like Levi Jones, young guys in there, I think that you have – it was okay. I would, yeah, B sounds good. I was going to go B minus, but Porter had a pretty good game. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, DBs. I'm doing A minus here. Yeah. I, mean, I could go A. You could convince yeah. me A. We're going cornerbacks – we're just going to do them all together? Yeah. The quarterbacks, I give an A+. Plus. I thought they were really good. And well, the problem, I, I mean, think they did anything. What, UNLV threw for how many yards? Uh, nine, uh, no, uh, 97 yards, yeah. So Yeah, A+. Plus. So it's like cornerbacks. Safeties, don't want to rate them too hard on a couple of plays, but. Isaiah pulled him out getting his first start. Which he also gave up the. He gave it and he took it away. Yeah. Yeah. I understand, but I'm just saying. CJ Pollard, like, we can grade on, on the scale. I'll go B. I'm like, 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 I'm yeah. Are you including the fake punt in that? Yeah. No. Isn't, uh, that a, isn't that part that's of That's not a return, though. Isn't that the same team? I'm talking about the Aren't return. the same people on the field? <laughs> I'm talking about the returns. <laughs> so if you didn't let them go get a first so down. punt defense was not great, but <laughs> punt return was. Oh I mean, I think, like, two, like, 26, a 26 and 20-yard return are great, but that is trumped by giving up a first down when you're the opponent, you know, and they end up scoring on that drive, right? Okay, so fine. Uh, that was pretty bad. Having ten or nine or ten men on the field for they had ten on an extra point. Okay, that's that's bad. Here's my point: if you're penalty gonna, bad. If you're dedicating an hour to special teams oh, each practice, be better. the full scape, yeah, full scale there. Then yeah, you good. need to be B or above. And I it's feel just, bad, my guy Reed Budrovich. Go C plus. Too oh, bad. Yeah, too bad, bad punts. Go I got a nine yard punt. 
and a 20-yard punt. They also had a what 70-yard return too. So it's a difficult group to but pinpoint. The, the return too was a screw up. Like it wasn't really supposed yeah, to happen that way. Screw up. Well, it was just a little confusion on who if you were, if, if John Baxter said, "Hey, do, would, he, would he have said, don't back up and catch that ball?" Like that's most likely would have been coached to do. He did something he probably shouldn't have done. Like an Odori Jackson, like he would pick up a ball that's bouncing, like, don't do that, don't do that. Oh, and he ran it back for a touchdown. Like, okay, I guess you could do it. But normally you don't want to do that. So, no, overall it was like a D minus for me on special teams. I, I expected more. I thought this, C. for whatever C. reason, I thought special teams were going to be better. I said that on this show. I said, I think they're going to turn the corner. And they didn't, and that was very disappointing. Uh, late addition, coaching. How would you rate coaching? Hmm. C plus, B minus. Yeah, I'd say probably B minus C. It was, just it was okay. It was like it was a lot. I don't know. What do you think, Keely? Uh, well, okay. If I'm including Neil Calloway and John Baxter in this, I feel like it's <laughs> wow. like. Wow. I, I didn't mean to totally call them out right now. Oh, but darts. I, those were things that I thought would get better over the season if you're going to keep them on the coaching staff. And I think it was more of the same. So, I think C. It's hard to me. say what's what. Like, could, are you arguing that, like, I mean, was coaching part of the reason why they the wide receivers and, yeah, and JT Daniels weren't connecting? Maybe it was, maybe it was. I mean, who knows? But, like, overall, it was like, it was, it, they didn't come out like gang. If they came out like gangbusters, they seemed like they were super prepared for this game and everyone was on the same page. You got to give the coaches an A, you know? It didn't look like that, but you don't really expect that always in the first game, too, so. I have a question for you guys. Do you feel like the offense plays as one whole unit, or is it more individual talented players? playing as a group um it's hit and miss yeah i think it's it could be a little of both like sometimes you see a good flow to a drive and you're like that was set up by this and that and other times it seems kind of grab baggy and you're just not really sure what the purpose of you know the drive is um i think overall when you struggle in the red zone like usc did um, that was one thing that clay helton really was harping on and they did in the you know as they did in the cotton bowl too I mean, I, I think some of that is it's just it's, you're not flowing. And maybe you didn't need to throw the ball as much when you got down inside the red zone. Maybe you have your X is bigger than their O, and a lot of the old school USC fans want to see you pound the rock a little bit. That might not have been the, you know, the, the wrong move. They, they scored most of their touchdowns running the football. Um, try to do that a little more. But it just seemed like you know, maybe between the numbers it was a little bit better, but in the red zone it was out of sync a little bit. Yeah. So. Uh, shout out to everyone who is grading along with us. We have a lot of letters in our oh. comment section, which is fun. Thanks for the grade. Also, we forgot Chase McGrath and his five field goals. If we're going to count special teams, that's pretty good. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. good returns, bad <laughs> punts. You're getting called out as a goals. sunshine pumper over here, Shotgun. So It's the first game. Calm down. Okay. To an extent. What I want to know is, if modern day high school didn't exist... <laughs> How right. bad would USC have lost the game oh, yesterday? Because still would have had to go to some school. Chase McGrath, <laughs> modern day, all five. That's fifteen points right there. But, Plus four Chase. extra points, nineteen points. They're 19 still points. on the team. Why does it matter what school they played for? There still would be. You mean if no players ever came? <laughs> yeah, no players didn't school. exist. If, if, if they they players played. that went to modern day didn't exist, is what you're right. I'd say like what well, JT Daniels. His only touchdown throw went to. Alan Ross St. Brown, who also went to modern day. Frank Martin didn't play. Didn't play, but, you know, still. But he, you had the kicker. Then, oh, yeah, at some point extra, it was like. Extra point unit. I had some fun tweets during the game where it was like, you know, first down, modern day, because it was like JT Daniels, Alan Ross St. Brown, or, uh, you know, Bishop Gorman took the lead over modern day, you know, and, you know, because UNLV, Vegas, Bishop, they played the last two years. Modern day won them both. Bishop Gorman's coach is now yeah, the Bishop, UNLV yeah. coach. So, they had some fun with that stuff. You look like you have something to say, Shotgun. Uh, for people that tweet at me during the game, don't quote retweet me because I can't see that stuff while I'm trying to flip through my phone quickly. I, don't have uh, I can only go to the mentions. I can't do all on the Twitter app. So just just reply. Don't don't retweet or quote retweet it if you want me to see it. Okay. It's hard, yeah. Not a guarantee that I'm going to see it, yeah. Yeah. But I got my tweet deck. I, I try. It's just really hard. And, like, it happens there's, fast. there's a lot of action going on. And I – I tried to like get away from Twitter for a little bit, but it's hard to do because it's fun. Uh, the you know I love to get on the message boards and mix it up a little bit. Get on Twitter. There's wow. a lot of instant reactions to people. Look you at know. you. Um, moving <laughs> on to next week, looking ahead, shall we do score predictions? Nope, that's a Thursday thing. <laughs> oh yeah, shut it down. Oh wow, there could be if JT and. Three offensive linemen get hurt during the play, the practice week. My ch- prediction is going to change. Why would I would not 
Yeah, but we'll, we'll do more of that. a. Okay, fine. We'll do more of a prediction show. But it, you're a little harsh to Keeley. You know, just no, yeah, we're not doing good. it. We're not doing it right now. Um, but I don't know. Hopefully, this is good because I think it's. If we had to like talk about the game on Thursday, no one would want to talk about what's going on. But Sunday night, you can like we can talk about the game, kind of digest everything that's going on through a couple practices. What happened? And then on Thursday, we can talk about what we saw, what's going into the Stanford game. So I think it'll work out. Pretty well. Good question that we got here from YouTube. What do you think of JT getting 35 pass attempts? Can we agree that that's too many for a true freshman? If you go back, Matt Barkley, I believe, was 15 of 19 in his game. Yeah. Uh, he passed for like 235 or 250. JT passed for 280, I believe it was. Uh, 282. I have a general question that goes to this point. Okay. Does USC have the offensive line to be a run-first philosophy team? I mean, they have 15 offensive linemen on scholarship. You got... Four returning full-time starters. You got a couple other guys with you know starting experience or a bunch of experience. Everyone's four and five-star guys. They got continuity. They should be like should a, be good. Now, part of the communication issues, maybe that is partly to do with having a redshirt freshman yeah. in center because that's the guy making the calls. Maybe and a true freshman, you know, because JT is switching uh, the protections as well. That's one of the things that Brian Ellis said that you know one of the other guys was not at the same spot uh, as far as JT is being able to change because, you know, you hear him, whether it be Louie, Louie, or whatever it may be to change, like, like we're going to block to the left, slide block to the left versus right, different things like that. So they have to know those type of things. They have to be able to tell who's actually going to come on the list, those type of things. And the center is supposed to help with that. Both of them are making calls in that regard. So maybe that was part of the, the issue with the office yeah. line for a couple of those communications. I don't know for sure. That's all – Grading the offensive line is one of the toughest things, you know, when, because you don't know the exact assignment or just the trenches in general. What, it's tough. Who missed this assignment? It's hard to say without knowing yeah. all the play calls and what this guy got beat, but it was the other guy's fault because yeah. he wasn't the right. You know, all, there's a lot of complications there, but there's there's no reason why it shouldn't be. Uh, I mean, they have all the pieces in place. I would say. Yeah. Is my guess. Well. Any other final rapid-fire questions before we Ryan wrap Ryan wants to know, does St. Brown get to start on Saturday? Ooh. I don't think it matters. Like, we said this before. It doesn't matter that he's starting or not. He, we told you he was going to play a bunch. Yeah. He played a bunch. He led the team, and he wasn't the first guy out there. It was, like, second or third, ser- third, third series. Third series, I think. Okay. Yeah. His first series, I think he lined up in the slot, and there was, like, a false start. So then they and then they moved him outside. on, on the. So his first play, he came in, and he didn't get the play because it was a false start. And then... Um, or something. So there's some penalty, and they switch it up, and then. But he still came. In, he was in that series. So we also have another comment that says Valus Jones and Trayvon City need to be on the field more. Well, those, they all play the same position. So yeah. Unless you're taking Tyler Vaughn and Michael Pittman out, who are pretty good, by the way, even if they weren't great in this game. Usually. But Sydney, we told you that. Like, look for him. Or, let's he, just go five wides. Let's do it. Yeah, Sydney. I mean, Sydney played really well. Uh, I mean, we saw Jones. They still are going to do some weird little sweeps for him. I don't think it's going to work that well against Stanford. But um, I mean. All those guys are going to play. It's not like a quarterback spot. The, the dudes are going to play, and uh, I think you've seen some good spots from, you know, good plays from all of them. So, good for them. Hello to Gerard Martinez, who is watching. He's, Hi, Gerard Martinez. Yes, he's, he's, he's on the YouTube what? comments. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, you have a question, Chuck, and just for you, how did Hunter Eccles look? Uh, someone tried to blame Hunter Eccles for that the fake pitch. He actually was doing his job. You know, there were basically two guys blocking him. Uh, so, he was in on that play, though, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was his second play from scrimmage. Uh, he had one tackle. He was in on, uh, I think, two more that he wasn't credited with. But he looked fine. I, and he told me after the game, he's like, I can't wait till we get a, a true passing quarterback so I don't have to, you know, be waiting to see if the guy's running so he can actually <laughs> get up the field after him. He's, he basically said he's going to tear it up when that happens. So All right. uh, he, he's uh, playing with a lot more confidence this year, obviously, after the hip surgery and everything. And, you know, he's looked really good in practice. So when they go up against a true drop-back team, like maybe you see against Stanford, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes up with a sack in the next couple weeks. Cool. There you go. Um, last question, or maybe last question that we've gotten from a lot of people. How how possible is it that USC was just very vanilla because they didn't want to show anything? How much does that factor into Saturday's result? I think it's a factor. I mean, Shotgun, I think, mentioned that earlier. Um, I mean, you certainly want to try to acclimate Everyone, I thought I didn't think JT Daniels was going to throw 35 times. That was like the other question. Yeah, you thought just kind of slowly bring him along and, and acclimate him to the game, but you know they let him do that. And, and Clay Hilton said some of that was RPO. Some of there were some options and stuff there. It seemed like they were just going to go out there and do their thing. Maybe it wasn't going to be anything, um, you know, kind of crazy scheme wise. But they it, 
there was a lot of people that were playing for the very first time. They needed to get their feet wet. I mean, you knew Jay Tafelli was going to be good. And you, you knew you were going to see some Elijah Griffin and, and Amon Rossi. All those guys had to come in and really play for the first time. So I think a lot of that was just kind of getting acclimated. You might see more different kind of scheme stuff against Stanford, I would guess. But I don't think it was like super, super vanilla, but... You know, probably not full of bore what you would see against the next couple of opponents. Yeah, you saw some different wrinkles, but not necessarily everything you can. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have asked even later in Bolden update, we talked about it earlier, uh, no no status change is what Clay Helton said about him and Achille Ross. So. Yeah. We'll see Tuesday. We'll go to practice. And if either of those guys are out there, then they're back and they'll probably play, is my guess. But if we don't see them, then if we don't see them on Tuesday, then I would not expect to see them for Stanford. Will JT be able to run with the ball? I thought he did okay as far as yeah. getting out of the pocket, you know, picking up a couple yards. He was a leading, leading rusher Probably shouldn't do, do that, that part. <laughs> yeah. He was a leading rusher after the first couple series. He had a five-yard scramble. So, yeah. Yeah, they were a little slow out of the gate to, like, run. They couldn't run the football the first. They tried to, like, the first drive or two. And, uh, you know, after they, they got the, the, the um, fumble recovery from Port Augustine, they couldn't really get anything well, they going. They ran one play and they passed it twice, which Tyler Vaughn's foot was in bounds, which they did not. Really? It looked like from oh, what okay. I saw in the replay. I think the first series they tried to run could, but yeah, JT scrambled once. Yeah, he showed he could get away. You know, like if there's a pass rush there, he could get away. Uh, we saw, I think he threw on the run a couple of times too when um, he yeah. was doing that. I mean, I, that's what I, Sam Darnold did really well. He could get out there and then find somebody downfield. You and know? give you two extra seconds if yeah. need be. Uh, I thought the, the pass to Trayvon Sidney for a first down, uh, well, both passes to Trayvon Sidney were great catches by Sidney, but the yeah. one where uh, JT was rolling and he hit him with a nice diving catch. Uh, so uh, I think overall he was okay. He wasn't great yeah. being JT. I think he'll only get better. I think he was a... A little anxious, probably. A couple passes behind. Got to get the timing down. And yeah. hopefully it happens this week for USC fans because you're going to be challenged against Stanford. That one catch from Sydney was really cool. And it wasn't even one-handed, right? Like, normally he's a cool one-handed <laughs> catch guy. But I got a great shot of that. We'll have that up. Uh, photo gallery probably tomorrow or Tuesday. You can right. also look at my oh, highlights. Yeah. Today's Sunday, yeah. Highlights going up? Are they up now? They yeah. are up. Go check out the highlights. Field-level highlights. They're very cool. Field-level. I think Gerard learned his lesson about popping into the comments because now people are asking him a lot of recruiting questions. <laughs> this is not a recruiting live show. <laughs> it's US Hey, Gerard, you're out there. Should we do a recruiting podcast tomorrow if you're still watching? We should probably do <laughs> He's I'm doing here. a lot today. I've got like two podcasts and this show today, but I don't really have anything tomorrow, so maybe we'll do a podcast tomorrow. Wow, dropping a little breadcrumbs. Yeah. So text me. Text me, bud. <laughs> Alrighty, Shotgun, any other YouTube questions you'd like to get in for the buzzer? Uh, <laughs> I think we got a buzz. Buzz, that's, that's the buzzer. Game's over. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for Tunnel Vision for the first show on Sunday. Yes. Uh, analysis of USC's 43-21 to victory over UNLV. Normally we are on Thursdays at noon and we will be... Uh, live on it's not that. Normally, time. we're also on Thursday. We're also, yes, I'm just saying. Um, so we'll be there on <laughs> Thursday too. Uh, so we'll see you guys then. If you were new to this show and this is your first time, thanks for watching us. We yeah. hope to see you again. Uh, for Shotgun Spotlight, Ryan Abraham, I'm Keely Yor. We will see you on Thursday. Thank you. Bye.